After the holidays, a little cash goes a long way. The Chime checking account has tons of benefits to help, like fee-free overdraft up to $200 for eligible members, no monthly fees, and thousands of fee-free ATMs. You can even get paid up to two days early with direct deposit. Sign up for Chime today at chime.com goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA members of FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply. Access to direct deposits up to two days early depends on the timing of the submission of the payment file from Bayer. Are we not the bestest of friends already? Only in media. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the only podcast that was asked if Dallas could stop scoring goals against Nashville and replied, Nine! It's time to do a little stargazing. Mark, you're back. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, it's, it's great to be back. Well. I... I, I I had to come back because, you know, Tyler's going to take my job here if he keeps <laughs> doing this kind of stuff. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, assign any any credit or anything, but we we had, we saw the Stars have a pretty good week since our last podcast. Yeah, there, there were a handful of goals out there, don't you think? And, there were. And, and one of them even was by Ty Delandria. And, and which was after watching the Carolina game, uh, a little bit, one of those experiences where you, you didn't think it was ever going to happen. You hoped it might. But uh, yeah, he, he got on the board in the nine to two romp against. I, I, I don't I, I have to be honest, Mark. I don't understand why entirely, because it's not like they've been competitive in the same cycle a ton over their shared history. I love kicking the snot out of the Nashville Predators. <laughs> I think everybody does. You know, Nashville's kind of that. Uh... If, if you don't think St. Louis is is going to be your, your big rival, Nashville is just, there's so many reasons to not like the Preds. There are. And Dallas apparently didn't like them last night and, and hung a bunch. Let's, I think it's a good place to start. Let's, let's talk about our friend Ty, because of course the story, and it was amazing to me because, you know, home broadcasts are, and I, I think this is a feature, not a bug, right? But home broadcasts are, let's say, very accommodating to to the team and the fact that they even asked him after the game about the number of chances he generated against the the hurricanes without scoring kind of tells you a lot about the game he had and i mean how painful was it for you mark to watch just the procession of near misses and you know almosts in in that game for ty well i did kind of have matthias yanmark flashbacks so i was hoping that it was not going to be a consistent theme and and to tell you the truth i'm not sure that it isn't you know even the even the goalie scored didn't stay in the net very long oh. <laughs> so, but you know the rap on delandria was not necessarily that he was somebody who couldn't score goals i think that's maybe just us reading into the situation because we've seen so many forwards come through where where you get the opportunities and you don't finish um, Delandry is not really that kind of guy who gets all these rush chances and then just can't find a way to score. He's kind of the guy who gets on the forecheck and creates stuff and is part of a group that just is dogged on the puck. So I, I think maybe the the breakaway is, is an anomaly. Yeah, and, and I think you're right. He, he is not at the NHL level, right? It does not appear that he's going to be a guy that scores 30 goals and, and plays, you know, those, those kind of big time minutes. My question is this, Mark, 
guys settle into roles, right? And we've seen it play out with the way that DeBoer deploys his defense. We saw it and we continue to see it in the way that, you know, Rick Bonus uses his forwards. Look at look at who gets ice time, you know, all this players players get put into certain archetypes and used in certain ways. And that's just the reality of it. At some point, Ty kind of has to score. Not a lot, but like I, I look at I contrast him with the season Sam Steele is having. For example, he seems like he's right on the cusp of he's either going to score and stick or become one of those wandering hockey nomads. Yeah, and and you know he's a fox fine, but would you bet on? Him? Yeah, right. It, it'll be interesting. I I don't know. It, it bears watching. I hope he can because I'd love to see him slot into kind of a longer term role with the team. But but especially with prospects coming up, that's the reality. And I'm glad that you mentioned betting mark because bet online continues to be your number one source uh, for all your basketball wagering needs including pro and college hoops throughout the year with up to the minute odds stats and trends you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs with in-game live betting contests and all the best player props experience the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop or your mobile devices head to bet online today to become part of the team and remember to use promo code b l e a v for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, the game starts here. And, you know, I, I had that big hit last night where I had the in-game wager where Duchesne would have two assists pulled away at the end, and then he would go jam on his guitar after the game. So, so that was a big <laughs> hitter for me. Yeah, Mark, tell me, is there a more big-time athlete move, right, than to go have a, a dynamite offensive game against your old team and and then go play a, an impromptu kind of guitar set? <laughs> <laughs> and, and especially after you have a great interview that says that you just absolutely love this town, you wanted to stay there, uh, but it just didn't work out. Yeah, good stuff. Didn't work out. Well, one man's trash is another man's treasure. It is, it is amazing to me how well he's fit in with that unit but there there wasn't we'll, we'll get to some of the good but i do want to start with one bit of bad news coming out of last night's game against the predators and we don't know the extent yet but nils lundquist left with an upper body injury did not return and mark i i know you have thoughts on kind of what this exposes with the dallas stars well i think this it kind of exposes a weak spot that uh that Jim Neal usually doesn't let happen with this team. And, and you know, he, he's, uh, other than the, you know, I, I like where we're at, uh, he's, he's kind of famous for saying you can never have too much defense and you can never have too much goaltending. And throughout his tenure, he's had that. And this year is a bit odd. There's there's not a whole lot of defensive depth, whether you're talking about at Dallas or whether you're down talking down in Cedar Park. And the same is true for goaltending. And so what do you do here if Nils Lundqvist can't continue to do what he's been doing over the last several weeks? I and, mean, we're right back to where we started when he couldn't get in the lineup, right? This is a team now that has that has six NHL level defensemen. We've talked about Cedar Park not exactly having ready-made options for a while. It was Joel Hanley in the seven spot kind of jockeying for position with Mills Lundquist. And now that that's gone, realistically, right, you need six defensemen to play, and that's how many Dallas has. And unless you're David Castillo and think that Radic Foxa belongs on the blue line, there's there's really not a lot you can do about it in-house. Well, and you can't even do that with Radic Foxa because that all of a sudden moves you down to 11 forwards. So, yep. uh, yeah, the the Stars at least have a little while here before they head out on the road. Not a whole lot of time, but I'm, I'm guessing that they play with the lineup that they have this weekend. And then some decisions need to be made. 
know, how, how vulnerable do you want to be going on the road? Because you have a minimum set of players right now who are going to be in the lineup. And I can't imagine that there's not at least one call up that needs to happen before the road trip. Well, and I think as well, right, my immediate knee jerk, and even as I was listening to you say that, Mark, my immediate knee jerk was, well, let's wait to see what the injury is. Let's wait to see how much time Lundquist is going to miss before we jump to any conclusions about what Dallas has to do. But as I thought it, I I changed my mind, and and that's sort of exactly the point you're raising, right? Even if, let's just say, and hopefully, right, I'm knocking on, on every wooden surface I can find here, let's just say it's a stinger, and, you know, in the moment they were worried, it was precautionary. The game was already a laugher, right? No reason to no reason to fight through anything when you're, you know, pretty much home free at that point, right? Let's say it was even that. It still exposes the idea that, okay, well, what about next time, right? What if it actually is something, you know, what if it's it's somebody else or it's something serious? Like your, your best case scenario is that you're right back on the high wire that you're walking. And... Yeah, this is especially we talked about Tyler and I um, because, you know, you you bailed on us, but we talked about this is kind of a show me stretch of hockey this month. And Dallas has started, you know, Carolina was a great game um, followed up by Nashville. You know, we're going to learn a lot uh, in the ABC game on Saturday against Edmonton. Right. So they're they're heading into this huge stretch. They, they've moved to the top of the conference. Their their contender bona fides. Right. Are being, you know, reinforced. And so this problem is rearing its ugly head again. So once again, we find ourselves talking about how do you fix the defense, even if Lundqvist is entirely healthy, right? There's still a problem. I I think the last time I was on, I said, I'm going to kick the can down the road, and I'm not even going to talk about this until the trade deadline. And and I think any kind of potential injury changes that dynamic a bit. And so what, what do you do to fix that in the short term? And I would say at this point that you're either talking about something like, a, you know, Hanley's now the number six for the next month. Yep. And and you probably have Alex Petrovic filling Hanley's role. That That is potentially a little unnerving. You, you also could could see something where, you know, the Stars very, very well could be watching the waiver wire and looking for somebody that they can pick up that they've had their eye on who's on a short-term, low-cost deal and just use them to plug a gap. And not only plug a gap for the NHL club, but you're also talking about a Texas Stars team that really has been struggling quite a bit and could use some defensive help. So if you can find somebody who you can who fits your system on the waiver wire, uh, now is kind of the time. So is that that's then the route that you think that yeah because I think you're right especially with some of like the Lindholm deal and some of what we're seeing in the trade market the the prices are high which yeah. suggests your your Chris Tanevs your Noah Hannafins right your your options at kind of the top of the pile those might be a little bit too rich for you know, we talked about this last time are you willing to trade Stankoven or Bork for a top four defenseman if not then it's the exactly kind of move you're talking about it's less about you know you're probably looking at a specialist right maybe it's not somebody that can do everything but is very good on the penalty killer you know you're looking for somebody that can nail down a spot on your third pairing something like that yeah and and here i i think maybe what you need to take a look at is what's going to be good for the team long term and and i'm pretty sure that's what nil's going to nil's not going to do a do a deal that costs this team their window over the next four or five years just to try and get it done this year. I think, yeah. I think he, you know, his personality is one where if, if the proper deal doesn't show up, he's going to like where we're at and we're going to roll with it. But this is obviously a weekend. I, 
the national broadcasts, and we've seen a couple of them here over the last week, they're right on it. It's like stars weak on defense, need a right-handed guy. You know, if it's percolated up to the national broadcast people and they can get that right, uh, that's a problem. So it does need to be looked at and addressed. And if it doesn't, then it's a calculated risk and and just an obvious, the deals were just too rich. Well, and here's here's another question for you, because I think this is one of the other elements. So we haven't necessarily seen the expansion of the role that I think some of us in the pro Lundquist camp would want. He's still in the, you know, 14 to 16 minute range, not exactly playing a ton, but at least with the exception of coming out in Toronto, which was maybe driven in part by, you know, where it, where the game was and, and some other factors, who knows, right? But with the exception of the Toronto game, he has sort of found his niche in the roster. He's played consistently. There have been highlights, right? He had a beautiful assist um, in, in the in the Carolina game feeding, I believe, it was Mason Marchman in the slot. Yep. It, it it felt felt like he had sort of stepped into at least a role with the team. How does that factor in, in your opinion, into Jim Nill's decision making? Is is he now looking at this as we need to, you know, is this now a is this a Lundquist replacement situation, or have we maybe segued into a Lundquist insurance situation? I, I think it's strictly how do we how do we keep Joel Hanley as as in his role, which is the seventh D. And so it's it's a short term Nils Lundquist replacement, but somebody who who has a skill set that you're willing to take at uh, at the Texas level because I'm. I, I wouldn't be surprised if you pick up somebody on waivers, they last up at the NHL level for uh, for a couple weeks, and then when Lundqvist is back, they're on the waiver wire again. And and if they if they don't clear, fine. If they do clear, Texas needs defensive help. So it's kind of a win-win situation. Yeah, I mean that's that's a good point. And and again, it's not like there aren't the other thing. The other other thing, right, is it's not like there aren't other problems in the across the unit wouldn't it be nice to have you know matchup insurance when you know when and if you you come across a team that you know maybe foot speed is going to be an issue and you, you start to look at the likes of hawk and power suitor and it might be nice to have somebody that at least gives you the option to think about letting somebody watch one here and there yeah uh, although i don't think that's going to happen I mean, <laughs> my, my, my biggest my biggest concern is actually you know joel hanley's over 30 uh, and, and I'm a big fan of Joel Hanley's game and I think you can see some regression in it. Um, the aging curve uh, still hits guys who haven't played a lot of games. Yeah. Other time gets you. And I've seen enough that Hanley's not playing that as tight a game as, as he did two years ago. It's harder to th- those breaks, right? It's, it's, uh, the long, you know, when you're young, you can kind of fall out of bed and, and play and it's not a, a big deal at all. But as you get older, you need more, you know, the, those days when you just don't have it or the maintenance or it becomes much harder to go from the press box to playing on the NHL, you know, at the NHL level with with short notice. So I, I can definitely see that. Yeah. And here, you know, my my big thing has always been, you know, trade deadline. And I think Sean Shapiro's actually actually said some stuff about this earlier. Is that uh, at, at some point you would think that this team might even waive Joel Hanley and get him down to Texas as the reinforcement down there? Um, and and you could do that with a health, healthy Lundqvist and a pickup at the trade deadline. 
Yeah, and you kind of have to. But I, I do think you're right. It will be interesting to see how Nil plays it. Um, trade, you know, cap space continues to accrue. We also don't know the extent of the severity. If it's a big injury, if it's one of those capital I injuries, then he's going to be out a while. Then everything, you know, everything gets even more complicated if you can believe it. But I think at this stage, it should solidify that Dallas needs to do something, right? Yeah. Whether it's it's depth or lineup help, they need another body. You just can't, you can't with a team with this level of expectation and this level of ability and this level of opportunity, you can't go into the playoffs with seven guys that are capable of playing a position where you need six guys minimum. Yeah, and and I mean it also kind of draws out this tightrope game that Jim Nill's been playing the last couple of years, where he's just bumping up straight against the cap, and and you don't want to use long term injured reserve. And so he is jumping through hoops to keep this team under, um, and and he's been able to do it so far. But uh, you know, at a certain point, that puts some pretty serious handcuffs on on you and your ability to move people around. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pricing. It's, it's this is well, not and, the year. And I it, think, and to yeah, man, and, and it and it hurts next year because you take a look at it and you have two million dollars of bonuses for Pavelski that he's already hit, and the emergence of of Thomas Harley probably means he's going to get all his performance bonuses. And so you're talking about probably on the order of almost 3 million, maybe even a little more of bonus money that's going to roll into next year's cap. So this is something Nil has to be paying attention to. And I don't think we're talking enough about it. Yeah, I mean, I was the one, I think, when we were doing, we did our fun prediction game coming out of the All-Star break, and I, I remain convinced that Thomas Harley is going to reset the Dallas record for goals for a defenseman. And uh, yeah, it's it's a problem. It's a good problem for now, but it's certainly going to impact what they're able to do next year, what they're able to bring in. It, it changes a lot, and you know, for a, a planner... Yes, you can say, and, and folks are saying the cap's probably going up, but I feel like it's that's turned into one of those situations where every single time anything financially, it's it's almost like we've spent the money more times, right? More times than we've gotten it, right? Because every time anything comes up, it's, oh, well, the cap's going up. It'll solve everything, but, you know, well, it's not going to go and, by that much. Right, well, and my argument is the cap's going up about probably about as much money as we've already going to going to have spent in performance overages. So that's going to be a wash for this team. So the, the question is, what do you do if, if Joe Pavelski is, is coming back um, and you have this love affair with Duchesne and so he fits in perfectly, you just aren't losing that much on the unrestricted free agents that you aren't going to sign. Yeah. You have Wedgwood, everybody else. Yeah. We'll keep Wedgwood around. Well, that's going to, not save you any money. Um, so you have Hawk and Paws contract going away. Well, that means you better have somebody in the wings who's going to fill his spot at a at a price range where you, you want somebody to perform uh, decently as, as a third pair guy. And I don't know that Texas really has that unless you think that Leon Bixel is just going to step step in and fill that role. He's not an option for this season at all, right? At this point, he's he's kind of I, I don't remember the way that the international well, transfer rules work, but he's he's overseas now, right? Well, yeah, I, mean, I know Rugel, that he is. Rugel he is right on the yeah, Rugel's right on the verge of of either making or missing the playoffs. It's entirely possible that he could be available in March. So there's some stuff. It's entirely possible that he comes over for a stretch run for Texas. Mm -hmm. um, beyond that, who knows? Yeah, maybe he is an option. But uh, but that's uh, 
that there's a whole lot of ifs there that let's see what happens with Rugal. Let's see what happens uh, if he comes over and, and handles Texas before we start worrying about him as as the deus ex machina for, for the Dallas Stars defense. Yeah, and, and I think at this point, right, we we have to we'll we'll just have to wait and see. There's a couple more weeks left here before the deadline. Um and uh we'll see we'll we will see what Dallas does. Nine goals a game would certainly fix a lot. It certainly eases a lot of troubles. Now, now on that note, and shifting into something a little bit more positive, I have a question about uh, for you, Mark. Not a question about you. Um, I, and, and it has to do with, I'm always obsessed. Like, players have these life cycles, right? We put labels on them. They go through phases of their careers. And we've been talking for a while. And I noticed it last night um, when the the broadcast was talking about how Thomas Harley and this is the e, an ESPN Plus game, so you know forgive them for not knowing the team they're watching when it's not like Chicago or Pittsburgh, but um, they were they were talking about Thomas Harley in this case and talking about how he's he's really solidifying his place in the Stars lineup, and I rolled my eyes because that that place is solid, and it got me thinking about somebody else. Right, at, at what point are we willing to declare Wyatt Johnston no longer a prospect and instead just you know? an NHL player. Well, I think he's at that point. I, I think he truly arrives when you start talking about the Johnston line. Yeah. And and it's still kind of the Ben Johnston line. So yeah, he needs to he's obviously putting up the numbers. Um he is exactly what we hoped he would be, which is this ultra aware, high hockey IQ guy who can find space and then knows what to do with the puck when he gets it there. He will mature into a spot where he can drive play. And right now he's still slightly dependent on people around him, but he's close. Yeah. And, and the thing that I, the thing that stood out to me this season is he has, he has migrated. He's, he's transitioned from, like you said, last, last season, the storyline was how putting him with Ben and with Dadnoff ultimately, but how putting him with Ben for the most part kind of let him get his legs under him. And the, the story was how the players around him were making it easier and therefore allowing him to succeed. Well, this year, right, we had we saw some stumbles out of the top trio and who got moved up, right? We've we've started to see Wyatt Johnston. He's on the second power play unit that, that scored again last night, right, that's been successful. We've started to see Wyatt Johnston popping up as the solution in various situations, not just as, you know, the, the, the guy that is being carried. And to me, that's, you know, we're talking about inflection points. To me, that's super significant because, again, you know, he's watch, watch late games, right? He's out there on the penalty kill. He's out there when it's late and close. He's out there when they need to score. Like, he's, he's no longer being used like a guy that the coaches feel like they're coddling, right? He's, he's being used like a, a you know, grown-up NHL player. Yeah, and, and you know what? what's fascinating to me is, you know, as, as great as that line was, uh, the top line with Hintz, Robertson, and Johnston was, I'm not sure if that's the future. Because if if we talk next year, I'm thinking maybe, you know, Johnston's cut his teeth. He can center a line. And I'm seeing him with Stankoven and maybe Bork on the top line. Yeah. Just, just because neither Stankoven nor Bork is going to be a guy who's just going to come in and be the guy on the line. And I think Johnston's at a point where next year he could do that. I mean, he's sort of, this is where you get into, you know, some of the stuff we hear about, you know, Joe Pavelski's influence, not just on Wyatt, but on the rest of that roster and all of the, you know, pick, throw a rock and you'll hit a columnist writing a story about, the supposed strength of the Dallas Stars room. And, you know, this is a kid that played internationally. Sort of, he was an important player at every level. 
why wouldn't he be an important player at this one? And, and if you think about what a player might need in order to help other players kind of make the transition into the NHL, what what's missing from Wyatt Johnston, right? He's had he's had success. Um, he's had mentorship. Like there's there's really not a gap. So I, I think it's entirely possible that you could see. Yeah, why not? Why not throw him with two other kids and, and see what they do? Yeah, I'm I'm a little nervous about the you know the the kids line, if you will, the the Johnston Bork Stankoven line, just because I don't know that I want Bork and Stankoven figuring out how to win board battles against the bigger men than they're used to going up against in the AHL all at the same time. Ben's going to be somewhere. I see no problem with kind of a Ben Johnston Stankhoven line. I think that melds together pretty well. I think Bork's game melds really well with Hints and Robertson mm-hmm. because he he's a guy who sees the ice real well and everybody else on that line does as well. Um, Stankhoven's a finisher, so uh, so being with Ben. Uh, who, who can kind of run the protection side, plus is uh, you know, a sneaky good passer, sees the ice, um, and Johnston's the same way. I think Stankoven thrives in that environment. And if you're talking about keeping everything around, then uh, then you have Sagan, Marchment, and and you know maybe Duchesne if he if the team can afford to bring him back. Those are three really good lines. The only question you have about a you know Johnston Bork Stankoven unit is is there enough size? But by the time that line comes about, Johnston will have played either two complete or most of two NHL seasons. So I, I think there's there's see, it seems like there's quite a bit of trust there. Yeah, and Bork and Johnston are both defensively reliable. Mm-hmm. I I just there's a learning curve there that I think putting all three of them together in a in a role where you expect performance out of them might be asking more and it's it's an ask that I don't think you need to make. Yeah. Maybe it's have, a, maybe you have it's the ability goal. not to. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's a goal, but in in the meantime there are other options that I think can be just as successful uh without making that ask. Yeah. I I agree completely. There there's you have the opportunity to set players up for success rather than than kind of making yeah. them yeah, well, yeah, and, so. and yeah, and I mean, it's like, OK, this is this is like the fun new toy. Right. So, yeah, we want to see them all together. And, and wouldn't that be fun? But let's uh, let's take a step back and let them succeed. And if that's the way it works out a, a season or two down the line, then great. Let's see other other stuff. Um, cautiously optimistic, but post all star break. Boy, hey. howdy. Does, does Jake Ottinger look like he's back? Yeah, just uh, not often that you get to tie Kari Lednan records, right? I just I miss that guy. He was he was. I I hope that as this generation of the Stars team moves forward and, and starts to have a little bit more success, I hope at some point we will be able to look back and appreciate who Lednan was for this franchise. Yeah, and you know probably all all time favorite Dallas Stars picture is Lednan sitting on the net. Yep, he was a bro. He was good. Uh, he was. He was definitely a. Oh, that's a great. This uh, going to, going to inside baseball here a little bit. KT just dropped it in the chat. So Mark Dallas has been doing the uh, you know Ring of Honor thing for the Stars. Is Kari Lettinen a Dallas Stars Ring of Honor player? I think he probably doesn't get there just because he doesn't have the personality that Marty Turco did, and that's kind of who he took over from. Statistically, I think you can argue that he was uh, he was the guy who carried the team for five plus years, and, I mean, and me... was was probably a top five goaltender in in the NHL. And the stats wouldn't bear it out because he was 
standing in front of a Dallas defense that we couldn't afford to get good players on. Yeah, it's it's kind of a mixed bag, right? So look, I just pulled up his stats for funsies, looking at hockey reference. So he played nine years in Dallas, 445 games, right? So I think he hits, I think he hits a longevity standard. Mm-hmm. Um, he had uh, overall, right? He had a 912 save percentage, 2.63 goals against average. So he had some good, uh, you know, some good counting stats. Of, you know, he had it. His let's see, his best year, 920. I mean, he had a stretch of of four seasons where it was 914, 922, 916, 919. So from what was it, 2010 through 2013. Sorry, no, sorry, through 2014. He was stellar. And then, you know, from there it's 903, 906, 902, 912, right? So he kind of dropped off in the later stages, but there was a there was a four-year stretch to your point where like those were elite goaltending numbers. That, you know, looking at like looking at goal in, in um, whatchamacallit in 2011, 2012, Cat saved 14 goals again, goals above average, right? With a, a 922, 233 split, four shutouts like the, the 2011, 2012 Dallas Stars weren't fantastic. They lost 22 games. Lennon was, I, I think, perfect for that team because he played better when he was under pressure. And 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 here you know people are going to say no 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 he, he choked under pressure, but if if he was facing rubber coming at him all the time, he was incredible. He'd get into trouble when he was supposed to win, and and had time to think about it. When when he was under the barrage and they were throwing forty shots at him, he was standing on his head and just absolutely keeping those bad. Dallas Stars teams in games for season after season. Yeah, and, and I think as well, you're right. We have to error adjust. And he was he was the anchor for the Stars at a period of time when they weren't a cap team and they weren't competing for the premium title. Like this, these were the dark days. And he still managed to get uh, in, in 2013, 2014. He still managed to get a top ten um, Vesna vote. I think he was eighth that season. So unfortunately, it fell off. Um, starting in 2014, really 2014 till the end of his time in Dallas, 2018, those, those four seasons were not, were not as good. I think he's negative 21, negative 9.6, negative 17 goals above average rebounded a little bit in 2017, 2018, but he was for the most part as an elite goaltender, he was kind of done by 2013, 2014. And, you know, I don't know, man, I'm, I'm more of a. When I think about Hall of Fames, right, I'm less of a set a war target. And if the guy gets over the war target, he's in. And, and I think especially team Hall of Fames, it's in. Can you can you tell the story of an era without this player's contributions? And and I just think he was he was so important at a time when there was very little going well for the Dallas Stars that I would I would put him in. I'm just saying I think he did enough. I'd put him in. I'm not going to fight you too hard on it because that that is my my wife's favorite Dallas Stars sweater. So <laughs> kind of see where my household stands on there you it. Go. I'm, I'm going with her. He's the the patron saint of lost causes as yep. far as Dallas Stars are concerned. What are some other guys? Just just while we're on the topic, I'm curious. There you know, there's the obvious ones, the Turcos and the like. But who who do you think might be kind of a dark horse candidate for Ring of Honor inclusion? He, he's not going to get there, but the, the guy who completely uh, embraces the stars of that era, Vern Fiddler. Oh, Vern. 
I mean, he I, was I just... literally just smiled thinking of just just the name Vern, just hearing Vern Fiddler's name brought back, you know, brought back grins. So I, I think, yeah, that's a that's a good one. Yep. Same same era. Popular guy, Anton Roussel. Mm-hmm. I just don't know the guys that he was... who made. I, I don't. I don't think he gets there. But you know what? Any any time, any time you can uh, you you can kind of put your hand to your ear going through the United <laughs> Center after <laughs> a, after scoring in a shootout. Yeah, you're pretty high I mean, on my list there. There's as I as I poo poo it like I'm still looking through. Like he played 400 games with the Stars, 413. He had 64 goals, 141 points. Like. Not nothing. Eight hundred penalty minutes. Like he, I, I, you know, like. I mean, you could even he, go. With Steve, Steve Ott probably deserves some of that conversation too. Yeah, one of my all-time faves. Oh man, uh, what about uh, what about our our, our good friend uh, Trevor Daly? Yeah, yeah. You know, but <laughs> if only for you know, the number of years people just hated him. He was the. He for a while was like the Dallas Stars fans always just hate one defenseman. It just doesn't yeah. matter. We we error just there's just one guy on that team that we're just always constantly frustrated by. And it was Trevor Daly for a while, I think. It it was, but you know what? I, I bet that everybody in Dallas who's a hockey fan was celebrating when he lifted the cup with yeah. Pittsburgh. He was a good player. He, he was, was a, he was a great player and, and 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 a great dude. Yeah. He was a dude. He was a dude. Anyways, that they that was it. That's I'm glad we segued into that. That was a yeah. They make those 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 era stars teams. I think don't don't always get their due because they just really couldn't. There was a hard cap on what they were able to accomplish, and it's nice to appreciate um, in retrospect what they what they gave us. Yeah, you know, talent wise, not necessarily what you want, but uh, but entertain entertaining, yes, and and really really good hearts. So I, I think if the Dallas Stars have as a core just having good human beings around i i'm all for that now we got one more thing mark we've got a big tilt on saturday with the edmondson oilers who have come down a little bit from their like million i think i believe their their winning streak stretched for for 472 games at one point i I believe give or take Uh, but uh they they're now just they're a paltry seven three and oh in their last ten, they lost their last game. Uh, Dallas surprisingly is 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 has a higher points percentage than the Oilers. I guess it's not surprising given how Edmonton started, but my goodness, have they been better lately? This is going to be a good one, right? Well, I think I think so. I mean, he, he, Cody Cece scored recently. Yeah, it's, I mean, obviously it's going to be just a, a big push on on high scoring defenders. And I mean, so I'm, I'm fully expecting that that maybe the one guy we've really missed here in the last month, month and a half is is the Hawk and Paw heater. And, and I think it's going to come back. Well, I mean, it's going to have to this to me, this is going to be fascinating because the the narrative around Oilers games are always a no. So to be very clear, I'm, I'm a homer, but I'm not that much of a homer. Nobody can stop Connor McDavid. Just just to be very clear that this podcast isn't that insane. But there are a small handful of players in the league that can at least share the ice with him and look like they're playing the same sport. And one of those people historically has been Miro Haskin. And so I, I always get I always get a little bit geared up, excited to see those two go head to head. And frankly, especially now that, that Harley has joined that line and, and that pairing, I'm, I'm frankly really, really interested. I, I assume 
that that's going to be the matchup that Pete DeBoer probably wants. It's it's a home game, so he's going to have last change. I assume he's going to want Miro head on with with McDavid, and if he does that, it's probably Harley as well. And I think that's going to be a really fascinating pair for what we've all kind of recognized or, or hoped slash assumed is is Star's number one unit moving forward. Yeah, it's and it's going to be a question of whether whether the top talent on Dallas can shut down the top talent on Edmonton because the Stars want to get. To, to the depth. Yeah. And I, I have will the say, advantage. Yeah. Because yeah, I, I think that's it's it's less to me, Mark, about shutting down the top talent. And it's more about can they it's more about limitation, right? I think yep. you go in with the mentality of they're gonna get something. They're too good not to. And frankly, you look at what what was there, like seven different goal scorers, six different goal scorers against Nashville. That to me is more the the blueprint is that more than it's you know, somebody, you know, on the, you know, more than the top line or somebody balling out. But I think that, that to me, it's, you're exactly right. Can the, the, the top line, top unit, whoever gets matched up with McDavid play them close to evens so that the, you know, Johnston unit and Sam Steele and, and that crew makes the difference. Yeah. And, and I mean, to tell you the truth, I think, you know, Edmonton is a, team very similar to Nashville as far as being top heavy. And I haven't looked at the numbers for matchups, but the the one line that stands out, uh, you know, they were actually a minus, um, was the top line. The Hints Robertson and Pavelski line was minus one against Nashville. Um, but it, it's entirely possible that they were taking one for the team, taking out the top line, which allowed the rest of the team to just yep. go crazy. And that's that's how you that's how you you know it's all hockey's all about giving the other team to, uh, bad choices, right? You you either say okay, take take that trio out, and and we've got three more to throw at you, or or you say try and play as balanced, and maybe it's maybe this is one of those games where Edmonton tries to mitigate the down roster impact of some of the players Dallas has going right, the Sagan line, the Duchesne, you know that crew, and as a result of that, Robertson and Co get a little bit more room to breathe, and and we get one of those blowout or they, one of the, one of those first line games where they have five points before everybody's in their seat. Yeah, and it's a matter of does the Dallas Stars depth beat out the the top end talent on that on that Edmonton top line, and that's what's intriguing. That's the power of this Dallas Stars team this year is is the incredible depth and and score the the scoring just gets spread around, and so yep. you can't just say we're going to take out so and so and then we're going to shut it shut the whole game down. No, because something else, you know, it's it's a whack a mole offense. And yep. nobody's gonna like pop that. up and somebody's gonna pop one into the net. <laughs> we are let's let's flag the tape, Casey. From now on, here on out, rest of the way. This year's Dallas Stars is the whack-a-mole offense. I love it. I love it. Well, it'll be a great game. I, I'm very excited. And and I mean, really, like buckle up, right? Edmonton on Saturday, day off Sunday, then a back-to-back away. They have Boston on Monday, New York on Tuesday. Ottawa, kind of the, the Thursday trap game, then back in Carolina on Saturday, followed by Islanders, Avalanche, Jets. So the next two weeks of hockey are going to be a, a delight for the senses. And um, I, I cannot wait to get there. And I'm super excited. Mark, any closing thoughts? And your prayers to Mills Lundqvist. There you go. There you go. Well, this has been Stargazing presented by Bet Online. Mark, thank you as always for your insight. KT for doing the hard work behind the scenes. Uh, Can't wait to see what happens in Edmonton. Podcast over.